Toronto FC, uh, it was supposed to be a big night uh, for Toronto FC. A lot of commenting about big DP signings making their debuts. Uh, but as the result came, it just didn't work out the way uh, everything had been planned out. Uh, welcome to uh, the Tunnel Club Day After Show, recapping Toronto FC's tough 2-2 draw at home against the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, you're with Mike Newell and Sean Levy, as always. Um, lots of thoughts uh, on this game. We're going to touch on a few things. Obviously, Toronto FC's play in this match. Um, the new-ish structure of the team now that Alejandro Pozuelo and Carlos Salcedo are out the door. Uh, and, of course, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some upcoming signings uh, that might be entering uh, the door here at Toronto FC. Um, but again, as always, Sean Levy on uh, the line with me. And Sean, uh, as always, just love to get your thoughts. Um, we were standing pretty much beside each other uh, for most of the game uh, yesterday. So uh, just love to get your thoughts on sort of what you saw in the match and, and uh, you know, your, your thoughts um, as uh, it's a tough, it's a tough draw to swallow. It is because it's kind of, we're seeing the same mistakes when it comes to turnovers, some of the same issues just over and over, even in the attacking zone, it's just, you know, the frustration of like times you just want somebody to shoot the ball and they just either want to try to, you know, cut left or right one more time or are hesitant to shoot and look for looking to pass it off to, you know, what seems to be always everyone looking to now give it to him minutes, which is fine, but I want more, like from anyone who's in that attacking mode in that final third around the 18, go for it. Um, we all kind of, you know, like with all the good things about Jade Nelson, the frustration is starting to really compound the, I think with regard to the fans in it's he's just like yeah you know he's got all these fancy moves but his finishing there's like he hasn't gotten better on on taking that final step whether it be shooting or even the final pass has been seems to be off around that 18 and it's just i'm just frustrated because that was that was three drop points last night we should have had that win like san jose scored on their first shot off like things like that can't be happening yeah, uh, I mean, look, in, in the end of the day, and I'll go into the stats uh, shortly uh, in regards to this game, but, you know, in the end of the day, this game is you drop two points in this on two individual errors, right? Um, you know, we can go into it. I mean, the first goal, the Abobasi goal, look, great finish by Jeremy Abobasi, great slip through ball. Um, I think it's by Espinoza. Um but it, it comes off a poor decision by Chris Mavinga to try to play a cross-field ball to Jaden Nelson with two players in the zone ready to pick the pass off. That's it, right? Like, it's, it's, not, it's not even a breakdown in team defending. It is a bad decision that leads to a costly turnover that leads to a goal, right? It, it's, that, it's that simple. And then, you know, the second goal, um, the 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 tying goal is just a an error by a player that's only played 200 minutes this year. Um, 
And instead of trying to put his foot through the ball and clear it in injury time, he tries to play a pass and gets closed down. Uh, and it leads to a turnover, you know, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny because I know people aren't going to want to hear this, but they played well last night, you know, the stats back it up. And I'll, again, I'll get into that in a moment, but TFC played well last night and should have walked away with three points. Um, but two individual errors cost it. Yeah. And you, yeah, exactly. Your point is completely right. Because we shouldn't like that again. Like, and it's not even a matter of the opponent. It's simply put, we shouldn't should have won that game. There's no if, ands, or buts. That's that's three points that, like, there's certain days where you can say, you know what, we're lucky we scratch scratch out a win. That was just a, a simply put, we we gave away that. Yeah, and look, that's that's how we were playing at the beginning of the year. We were winning games and not playing well. And now we're, you know, we're in a position where we're starting to play a lot better and can't find a win. It's, it's a, it, it's a weird season. Like, 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 you know, it's a weird season that way where we get some big wins against some good teams play poorly, not poorly, but don't play all that well and find a way to, you know, win a, win a, win a game. And now you're playing well, you're, you're dominating possession, you're creating shots, your expected goals are going way up and you can't, you can't, you just can't find a way. Um, and, and that's, and that's sort of the evolution and, and maybe, and I'll put this out to the, to the audience today. Uh, you know, as always, this is, this is your show as, as fans and supporters of Toronto FC. So we'd love to get your thoughts Grab the mic um, if you want to share your thoughts on the match. Bottom left-hand corner, if you're on your phone listening, uh, there is a mic request button. Go ahead and request that mic, and we'll get you on on the show. Um, Or if you want to tweet in a question to us or your thoughts on the match, uh, just go ahead and mention us at TFC Tunnel Club on Twitter uh, and just use the hashtag TFC Tunnel Club. Uh, so we can find your uh, question or your comment easily, and then we will get it on air um, today. But yeah, I think, you know, uh, I can understand the frustration, right? It's you're seeing to me that you're seeing the team start to play better from a footballing perspective, but individual mistakes are costing matches. And that's, and that's sort of an evolution of a club that's rebuilding slash, trying to grow an identity is you're going to have those moments. And that, and again, like I've said this before, it really reminds me of the 2015 team in a lot of ways, a team that you can see the there's quality and you can see that the ideas are there, but that execution is just from, especially from a defensive perspective, it's just not there yet. And that is, that is entirely frustrating. Completely understand that. Um, we have Chris here, so I'll bring Chris in to share his thoughts. Uh, Chris, you are live. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, it's the sun is shining. The day is, the <laughs> earth is still spinning. So uh, feeling good that way. But, of course, would rather have three points in the bag instead of one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I agree. It's uh, frustrating. Um, but, Mike, I 100% agree with you. We played well yesterday. Um, I think we gave up three big chances in total, I think. 
and they scored two of them. And two of them were created by mistakes of our own players. So it's frustrating, but I'm not, I'm not too stressed. Um, I look back and think when Klopp went to Liverpool, when Pep went to Man City, it took them time to get their teams to play the right way, play their systems correctly, eliminate mistakes, signing players. Uh, it, it took those major coaches a little bit of time. And I don't believe Liverpool, well, maybe Liverpool was going through a bit of a rebuild, but Man City didn't go through a, a complete rebuild. Even, and it still took Pep some time. So if we're still making these mistakes this time next year, then obviously I'm going to be very concerned. But right now, we're still building our squad. We don't even have all our players. Um, we're still signing players. We still got a lot of kids playing. I know it's frustrating. I know people had high expectations for us this season. Personally, I wanted a decent run in the Canadian Championship. I wanted to try and push for a playoff spot. But to me, it was all about the rebuild this season. Um, two things I'd like to bring up. Um, I thought Crescito, even though he didn't have like his best game or was amazing, I thought he was extremely solid. I thought his defensive positioning was excellent. Whenever Mavinga was drawn out wide, he would go inside to cover, which is not something Petrasso and Schaffelberg do. Normally, they'll then double up on the player that Mavinga is going to out wide, and then that leaves normally somebody open in the middle. But it actually looked like we had some chemistry in the back line with Crescido, but I think it was just his knowledge of the game, his experience of knowing where to go and where to be. Um, he's not the quickest. He's not going to be bombing up and down the, the flank, um, but he's going to be a solid defender who can, although his final ball wasn't the best, you could see he was willing to try and put in some balls from all different angles, which is not something Petrasso or Schaffelberg do. They try to get to the byline and whip the ball in. Um, Crescito was trying to cross the ball from deep, from wide, from narrow. Um, I don't remember any being too successful, but he was willing to do so. And it, it, the, the crosses look good. They just didn't end up where they needed to go. Um, and my final point, and then you guys can put me back into uh, the listening status, um, I'm not sure if Kosi is a right back. Um, I look at his attributes, and to me, the two best things that he's best at is receiving the ball and turning and running into space, and his passing, especially in the with the midfield. Um, he can play some very good passes, thread some good passes to Osorio and Bradley when he's under pressure, but to me, he looks so uncomfortable out wide especially when he needs to cross the ball and it's like he doesn't know what to do and then he takes too long to make up his decision and then whatever opportunity there was is gone. Um, I'd like to see him played as an eight. Maybe he can be somebody who replaces Preso because we kind of light in midfield. Um, but then that all depends on who else we sign this offseason. Uh, and that's all really I wanted to bring up. I know people are going to be negative. I know Bob Bradley out, people, and... So on are going to be out there today, but uh, Bob Bradley out people right now. You're nuts. <laughs> if you're Bob Bradley out, right <laughs> they're, now, they're out there. They're nuts. out there, but like I know they're but, out there, but, but like nuts. I said, Pep, if Pep, if Pep got sacked, I think what Pep finished third in his first season, like, and he had a super squad, like the pro, like it is. Chris, it is. The we got to give him time. We got to give him time, or else it, we're going to turn back to TFC of 2007 to 2013, it, where we're sacking managers every six months. Exactly, and that's the problem. Fan, too many fans forget about 
those days and too many fans since we've had success expect us to win every year at some point you need to do it right and the team is trying to do it right and you know in the offseason maybe a lot of people got you know once they signed or the rumors of Insignate started floating around the team just all of a sudden assumed all right we're getting Insignate we're back and forgetting about all the other holes that this team has had and has and will still have going into next season, right? Until they truly fix all the areas. Um, so uh, Bob Bradley out talk really needs to just like enough is enough with that. Like it, it's stupid talk. And I get people just are frustrated because you want to see improvement in young players and all the hype and yada, yada, yada. But we're far from a finished product and it's going to take some time. Right. Um, now, I want to touch on your Crescido point because you actually made very good points with regard to Crescido. I thought he was excellent yesterday. I was very impressed when I got to actually see him up close and personal. Um, I didn't think he was actually, I thought he was, he played, he was quicker than what I expected from him. Um, And you just, the difference between Crescido and whether it be Schaffelberg or Priso or anyone else, he's a left back. That's his position. So you, when you have somebody who actually knows how to play the position, all those things that you brought up are what should happen and are natural. And he knows what to do when he sees his center back stepping up. And he knows that's that means he needs to shift, shift back and cover. So that's, you know, it's we're impressed because we're impressed to seeing somebody play the position that the way it's supposed to be played. Right. And just to quickly touch on Kosi, remember, Kosi is not a right back. He's never played that prior in his, what, 18 years or 19 years of playing football or while living. The kid is a midfielder by trait and has played that. So, again, he was at, forced to, to, to play out of position, and we're going to have to live and die with him playing out of position until an option is there. Well, there might be an option in Brazil, but it doesn't feel like we're bringing him back anytime soon. Uh, Chris, thanks for your thoughts, man. I'll put you back into the audience. If you want to jump in again, uh, feel free, as always, to grab the mic. Um, yeah, look, Chris makes some great points there, right? Like, you, 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 in terms of Kosi, yeah, I think he's struggling now because, again, it's, it's one of those things where senior debut, Kosi Thompson at the beginning of the year really wasn't even in the picture to make this team, the senior squad, right? He, he was on the fringe, TFC two guy who might jump in here and there and get called up. There was no expectation that he was going to be on this team to start the year. So the fact that he's gotten this many minutes um, is a surprise. I thought he's been okay at times, um, but clearly he's hitting that sort of young player wall where you've played a lot of minutes, more minutes than you probably ever played um, week in and week out. Um, and it's starting to show a little bit and, and, you know, whether TFC go out in this window uh, and get a right back solution or they wait, um, we'll see. But I, I mean, I think he's, I mean, right now he's doing the best. I mean, a lot of people are talking about Jaquil going back to right back. I don't even know where Bob really wants Jaquil at this point, right? Like he's playing him on the left now. He subbed in for Crescido, um in this match uh, and has been playing left back recently. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. We'll we'll see uh, where they're going with this, um, but uh, you know, I, I think there there does need to be some reinforcement there on the right, um, just to give a little bit more balance um, to the team uh, in terms of its play. 
speaking of balance, Sean, I think we we talked about it last night um, when watching the game. But I thought the team were a bit more balanced in terms of just their midfield play. Um, and, uh, of course, that's been the talk with Alejandro Pozuelo being traded to enter Miami. Um, you know, Bob Bradley made the comment midweek about balance, um, the, the fact that, you know, you, you do need, in his preferred system, you do need players kind of playing in position for the most part. Um, and it felt like there was a bit more of that last night. At least there was a bit more structure uh, in terms of the way they played, and therefore it made them a little bit stronger defensively. And I say a little bit, um, they still concede two goals, so you have to throw that caveat in there. Um, but they did look a little bit more structured in the midfield, and, and that's a positive considering you still have Mark Anthony K to come into that midfield, um, and you can you almost solidify that a little bit more. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts um, and the room's thoughts about sort of that midfield uh, look now with no Alejandro Pozuelo there. Well, I mean, the key is you didn't have one player floating around, move, you know, kind of playing more freely. It, it was, as you said, more structured um, environment. And with uh, Matt coming in, it should only improve. What I'd like to see them do is still go a little, spread it a little bit more. They're still, I find them still playing a little too compact and not using their their width, which is a strength of the team. Um, because you saw when they do use the width and, and are playing crosses in, they seem to be more effective when attacking the net versus when they're always trying to, you know, when they play more compact, they have less effective shots or uh, on target. And that's one of the only things. They were definitely more structured, definitely more you I was more balanced within that midfield, but the next phase is trying to spread it out a little bit using the the the, the wings a little bit better. Yeah, and uh that that sort of sort of segues into me digging into the stats a little bit um of the match. Um and, and I'll just rattle off a few again. Stats are stats. I mean, again, I think we're trying to sort of take a more uh, objective look based on sort of what we're seeing with our eyes and then what are the numbers telling us uh, in terms of performance. And look, again, TFC own possession, again, almost 60% possession, about 56, 57% possession. That's expected. That's the way Bob Bradley wants to play. Um, Double them up on shots, essentially. Um, Shots on goal, double them up there. you know, in total total passes, again, ahead on total passes, ahead on passing accuracy, had more corners. Not surprisingly, but not surprisingly, actually, San Jose had more crosses um, in the game, but that's kind of how they play because they want to get that ball into a Bobasi. Um, You know, in terms of, you know, tackles won, you know, won that battle. Uh, San Jose had to make dub- more than double the amount of clearances um, from there, from their 18 or close to their 18 than, than we did. So that means we were dominating in terms of being able to get the ball within or close to uh, the 18. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, shots on target again on, uh, on top, uh, expected goals on top, right? Uh, plays in the attacking half on top, in the final third on top. 
Uh, and then the last sort of thing that I'll point out, and Sean, you kind of made that the point just recently, still a little bit narrow, but getting, uh, getting a little bit better, right? In terms of looking at the passing maps here, right? You can see where Crescito is trying to go, right? He's trying to get wide and get a little bit wider. Um, and Kosi, a little less so, a little bit more connected uh, towards Shane O'Neill. Uh, for most of the game, whereas Domenico Crescito is definitely wider and more into the attacking half on his side with Chris Mavinga and Luca Petrasso. So you're, you're starting to see that width come in, or at least that attempted width come in, um, and, and that's, a, that's, that's encouraging. Again, we'll see how that evolves as this team evolves. Um, but when you just dig into the the very baseline numbers, you know, what you're seeing right now um, is that TFC, again, are starting to, at least at home, and we'll see if this um, translate on the, translates on the road, uh, but starting to own possession more, are starting to shoot a bit more, despite what we're kind of sort of saying at least from what we're seeing on the pitch, but the numbers are telling us that shots are increasing. Shots on goal are increasing. The passing accuracy is increasing. Um, now it's about cutting out those individual errors that we talked about at the beginning, right? And, and, and that is, if TFC fans have a hope or should try to find a hope, I think that's where uh, you try to find some hope. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's sort of where we're at at this point. Uh, in terms of the numbers and the stats. Sean, any thoughts on, on sort of those numbers that I just sort of rattle off there? I know it's a lot, but um, any thoughts on that? Well, that that one of the stats shows you, you know, with regard to how Crescito plays, is that when you have a player who understands his role and his position and and how the game, like, it's not just, again, he's he's a solid left back slash he can also play in the center back. He's His experience and knowledge of the game allows him to almost be another voice of how, you know, to, to ensure the guys on the left are playing the way they need to play in positionally. So, you know, if you, if during this window we can have, you know, bring in somebody for that right back role, based on what you're saying and the way we know Bob wants to play, ideally that might in turn stretch the, the, the field out more, right? Which will... I think play into the strengths of the players that we have and the players that are coming in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you add a Mark Anthony K who I'm assuming will play on the right side or of that midfield. Uh, No, no, he'll play on the left. left. He'll play on the left. You'll have also, I guess, kind of, how is that going to be? Yeah, you're probably going to have a four-three-three diamond down, or three four-three-three down. So, um, so you're probably going to have Michael playing that that back, that down that position. Yeah, you'll have right. him playing the down, and then you'll have uh, Oso on the right and um, Mac on Mac the left. On the presumably, presumably, right? They may they may at times switch that around. But that's kind of the natural way, right? Because right, if you look again at the passing maps right now, you if you have Max sort of in the role where kind of Jonathan Osorio is, because you know based on how it kind of broke down, 
Oso and uh, Michael Bradley were pretty close together in the midfield. I think ideally what you would like is Oso trying to connect things on the right and Mac connecting things on the left with Grishito, Mavinga, and Petrasso if he's going to continue to play that left wing uh, role, uh, which I, right now, see, well, he won't. Uh, that will be Insigne. But, um, you know, that's sort of where that, Sort of try. That's where your triangles get created there, and then you try to create those triangles on the right with uh, Osorio pushed a little bit forward, and then Michael sort of hit, hitting that sort of protective role behind. But you probably have either Mac or Oso mobile enough to to drop and give him help uh, when he needs it, and that has also been a big miss in this sort of formation or this lineup. It's so far up until uh, this point is that because you have paused kind of staying in the attacking third and roaming all over the place, it does end up leaving Michael Bradley kind of exposed at times. And again, you know, there's a lot of Michael Bradley haters out there right now, or, or those who think he needs to hang him up. I look, I, I get it. I don't, I still don't think he needs to play every single minute of every single game. But again, digging into the stats was arguably the best midfielder on the pitch last night. You know, won all his won all his duels, um, led the team in touches, passes, interceptions, you name it. Essentially, he was the leader in the game on all of those categories. So, you know, it, it, you, we keep saying, you know, that maybe it's it's time for. But in the end of the day, he still ended up being arguably your best player maybe the best midfielder in the match so uh, you know from the from the numbers perspective um you know still being an incredible asset to the team he's been again whether you like it or not he's probably been the most consistent player we've had all season i mean also might be when he's healthy also you, you understand how crucial it is to have him on the pitch but again michael's been consistent like again he hasn't played great Every game, I'm not trying to, I'm not a, you know, praising him in any which way, but he's been like, he's not like everyone else has been, anyone's been perfect. Everyone makes, has been given up, you know, bad passes and, and stupid tackles and whatnot. But again, when you look at the numbers, he's probably been the most consistent player we've had all season long. And yeah, until, yeah, we, until we get a, a, like what fans who are asked, you know, keep saying, we, you know, he needs to be on, on the bench. We don't need him, blah, blah, blah. No one, none of those people have come up with a viable option on the current roster. And that's the, un, the reality is there, it, it, you know, like you and I both agree, Michael shouldn't be starting week in, week out, but there is no option. So until that happens, we need to find a way to allow him not to, to where, where there's less pressure on him on the bitch. And a well, player like Matt, should allow should help yeah and, and that was the thing right like he was getting exposed in the midfield all the time because you had a player in Pozuelo who you know and, and to his credit look that's what he does that's what that's the that is when you're when you're allowing Pozuelo to be free you get the best Pozuelo but in the way that you want to play it just doesn't work right and and it, and it leaves Michael Bradley exposed and yeah the, look, he's leading in all these stats. He's still 35, 36 years old. And he, like those, you know, he does not have the legs that he used to have. But with that said, when he has help, 
when he has somebody who's sticking close to him and, and allowing him to do what he does because he knows he can get in for a tackle and knows that he's got cover behind him, he's still, he's still MLS-wise really, really good. Um, and, and that's just that's a reality. Uh, and I think that, you know, if you're going to look to replace him, you're probably going to have to go to Europe or South America and find a six that can do what he does because there's not a lot of guys in MLS that can do what he does game in and game out. So, um, you know, the talk of replacing him uh, with just a kid or maybe even just Mac, I don't think is enough. I think you would have to go out and get yourself a number six who can go win the ball the way he does um, with younger legs. And, you know, whether they use the DP spot that they're about to open up uh, with Carlos Salcedo um, going back to Mexico, or they use it on some other position. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you're, you know, you're going to need to find that player that can replicate that. And that's hard to find. That is really hard to find. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, again, fans, patience uh, there. Um, again, uh, I, this is the listener show. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts. So go ahead, grab the mic. Um, and give us your thoughts uh, on the match. It's in the bottom left-hand corner. For those who have not been on the show before, uh, you can request the mic there if you're listening on your phones. Um, Also, if you have a question or a thought, you can at mention us at TFC Tunnel Club. Just use the hashtag uh, TFC Tunnel Club so we can find your question or comment easily, and we will uh, get to uh, those as well. Um, I do want to talk really quickly about DeAndre Kerr uh, and the way that uh, he played last night. Um, I know there are a lot of people who are kind of roasting me a little bit about what I said at the beginning of the year um, with, uh, funny enough, with our first tunnel club of the season uh, with Michael Singh, um, saying that I thought DeAndre Kerr had a, a bright future at this club. I think he still does. I know he's struggled at times, but again, a 19-year-old making his senior debut season, he's going to struggle. But I think, again, yesterday you saw what he can bring to this team once he starts getting a little bit more seasoned and, and, and sort of develops as a player. The pace on him is incredible. Um, and, and, of course, he has goal scoring uh, in his boots. He definitely has it. I mean, obviously the goal... He took last night was fantastic. A great curler, left foot in the bottom corner. But I thought that, you know, when he got on the ball, he made things happen. Uh, and, and that's what you want out of a, a player. A young player has a lot of pace and a lot of uh, a lot of attacking potential. Um, Sean, I know I turned to you after the, the goal. And, <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it, you know, I, there it is, right? Like you see it. Of course, he's he's had moments where he's not been very good. Absolutely. Um, but those are the things that I know that he can that that he can bring. And again, the stats also bear that out in last night's match. No, I mean, he's he's definitely a talented young kid. And with, you know, time. I believe, you know, the sky's the limit for him as a striker um, It's just it. There's unfortunately for him. There's it's been a lack of consistency so far this season. But I think when it comes to the strikers as a whole, I mean, outside of when Jimenez was popping in goals early in the season, no one, no one's really been stepping it up lately and kind of taking that, that, that role of being the number one striker. 
Um, they keep trying to feed him and hoping he will get back on that hot streak, but you know, he hasn't really, that hasn't happened. Um, IO has been, you know, he's had a little bit of moments early, but you know, past couple games when he has played, it hasn't really done been that effective. So, you know, again, Kerr has a lot of talent. He's got that pace. He's got that finishing ability, but it's just a matter of the consistency. Absolutely. And again, I'll, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a stat nerd, so I'm going to dig into this a little bit. So he's played 737 minutes so far this year, right? The, the thought from, from people in development is at least in a first season, try to get to a thousand to about 1200 minutes, um, to, to sort of get some developmental base behind you. Uh, that's sort of the, I guess, the scientific way, if you want to look at it, or at least the, what, you know, uh, football people who understand development, you know, suggest for, for young players making their senior debuts seasons. So he's nearly there uh, in terms of maybe he should get to at least a thousand minutes um, this season. You know, let's just take a look. I mean, his non-penalty goals, um, he's in the 94th percentile. I know he only has three goals, so we'll we'll use that caveat there. Um, you know, his his expected goals are quite high. Um, in terms of total shots, again, he's in the higher percentiles in the league, uh, 81st percentile. Um, you know, in terms of his uh, expected goals to assists, again, they're high. I mean, he scores a goal and technically gets assists on Oso's goal, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, a, a couple of things. His passing needs work, 100% needs work. He's in the lowest, some of the lowest percentiles in terms of his uh, passes completions and his progressive passing, agreed. Uh, but his carries, his dribbles, his uh, attacking touches in the penalty area and his receiving of progressive passes all in the 80 to 90 percentile range. So, you know, and also... He's an aerial threat in terms of uh, being able to to head balls and win aerial uh, opportunities in the box. Again, he's in the 90th percentile in that in that category. So you're talking about a player who, again, making errors because he's young, but also actually positively contributing to the team from attacking perspective. And that, I think, is only going to grow and get better as he gets minutes. Now, obviously, with the reinforcements that are coming in, he is probably going to lose some minutes from that perspective. And that's, I think, going to be kind of natural. But when he does come into matches, you can see where he can positively positively contribute to the team, uh, if that makes sense, Sean, and to the listeners as well. No, it definitely does. But um, and I, it was a, a question I was going to bring up before you, you went into Kerr. Um, with that being said, and with reinforcements coming in, when you look at, I guess, who our, our, our strikers are, our depth, you know, we kind of have depth on the bench. But could one or two of those guys be gone by the end of this window? You know, like a player like Achara has become non-existent. Um, Jordan, you know, he maybe he needs to be loaned out to get again, again, and not like we haven't done that for him in the past, but I'm just thinking right now, you know, with again reinforcements coming, it's only going to hurt those two, uh, those two players, uh, you know, with Kerr most likely again being a bench player, uh, IO, depending on who comes in and or he may be hit and miss some games, right? 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if another one of the young players um, heads out in the window, whether it's, you know, well, it'd probably have to be through trade. Um, but, you know, I, I get it, right? It, it's kind of the way that we're doing this right now is kind of like, you know, North American sports. You gain a lot of young assets and you use those young assets to get experienced pieces. Uh, and I don't necessarily think that's a wrong thing to do. A lot of clubs around the world, right, use their academies to, uh, in the end, sell sell them on to make profit to then use that money to buy more experienced senior players. So nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, you would like to see some of these, these kids stick around, even if they, again, if they end up being MLS guys who stick around the league and end up being useful pieces in the MLS, there's nothing wrong with that. To me, that's successful um, in terms of an academy. Yes, you would like to progress some of those players onto Europe um, and, and they become household names in Europe. That would be great. But if you get a couple of those guys, even if you get two, two guys out of all the young players that have been playing this season and they become reliable MLS guys you can spot start here and there but come off the bench and create an impact, that's a success, right? Like not a lot of academies in this league can do that or boast that, right? I know a lot of people look at Dallas and say like they're selling guys for multi-million dollars. They've never played for the senior team, right? They're, they're being bought on pure speculation um, by Bayern, essentially. So, uh, you know, that's fine. That's one way to go about it. But I think TFC's academy can be both. It can be both a, a, a pathway for players to become useful pieces in the team um, or use them as assets to get senior players or sell them on somewhere else. That's completely fine um, from a development perspective. So uh, we'll, we'll continue on here just in terms of the, the show. I mean, I talked a little bit about DeAndre Kerr. I, I'm just I'm sort of digging in a little bit on him and a, another player in the league that is being thought of for Rookie of the Year, Ben Bender, who plays for Charlotte FC. We're going to see him in a couple of weeks. Um, but just digging into it, the stats are somewhat similar. Ben Bender has just played more minutes um, because he was the number one pick in the draft. But their stats are not that far off each other in terms of um, shot creation and, and things like that. The one thing Ben Bender will have over DeAndre Kerr is he's played more minutes. And because he's more of a midfielder, his passes are, are way up. Um, but aside from that, like in terms of the uh, offensive categories, they're, they're quite similar. Uh, and, and that's just something, again, when you're, you know, you're looking at, what you're seeing with your eyes and what the numbers are telling us um, is that DeAndre Kerr is comparable to a lot of the top rookies uh, in the league. The difference is obviously he's played less minutes and he's naturally a striker, not necessarily uh, a midfield player. So that that's another thing to, to consider as well. Um, let's dig in Sean a little bit uh, into uh, the Oso goal. Um, I thought that the, again, it's DeAndre getting the ball uh, in a in an attacking position, one thing he's got to water approve on is try to maybe go down with his right foot and try to attack a little bit more because he's now getting a little bit predictable and cutting in on his left. Uh, but he makes the slip pass into Osorio, 
And yes, it's a mistake by Judson. You know, it, it, it deflects off his foot. He tries to, to pass it out instead of, uh, instead of just blast it out. It goes, but also being a, aggressive uh, in that moment to go win the ball. And then a great finish, right? It's a great composed chip finish. That's something that he has developed over time um, in that position. And, you know, at that point, the team is flying. BMO was flying. Um, and that's something we'll, uh, I'll get into in a second, just in terms of the atmosphere within the stadium. But, um, you know, that, again, a, a great bit of connective play. And that's the things that I think from a, from a play perspective that, you know, Bob Bradley wants to see out of his team. And I think it came through uh, in, in that moment. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, what I, what was impressed me was how it also attacked that space and then his composure on the finish, like not trying to rush a shot, basically allowing the keeper to play himself where he knew where all he had to do was chip it over. So he, you know, he kind of just allowed the keeper to kind of make that move. So he also knew where where to put it. And it was, you know, that composure to me is is something you you know ex- only comes with experience. Something the young kids need to, you know, watch his movement, how he moved, moves off the ball to get into that space to to then once he gets the ball, how to finish it without, you know, because a lot of players just think about trying to hammer it. Right, you're right in, in the 18, just basically at the six yard box or just outside. And, you know, a lot of players will think they hammer it. And all he did is he just took his time, let everything play out the way he wanted to, and just chipped it over. It was a beautiful, beautiful play. And it yes, was. like, I mean, because it was right in front of us. So we, uh, we saw how it played out. And, and that's, again, the experience of and having a player like. Jonathan on the pitch for the team. Just when you need somebody really to kind of take over a game, he did that for us at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think again, uh, when pointing back to young players and seeing where they can improve, that's where there's a difference between say a Jaden Nelson and an Oso right now. And I'm not comparing them from that perspective, just simply because obviously one has way more experience than the other. But in a position like that, maybe Jaden tries to blast it. Right, he, he, or he tries to slide it under the goalkeeper, which is is fine. It's not. It's not like it's a bad option. It's just in that moment, can you take that extra bit of time, that extra half second, to to read where the goalkeeper is going to do, um, and then and make that chip. And that's where you're hoping the young players are watching, and in a, in a, especially the young attacking players are watching in that moment and saying, okay, you know, when I'm in that position, I have that extra second. Probably, you know, instead of rushing to try to put that in with a, a side foot or blast it, just, you know, a delicate chip right over the goalkeeper as he's rushing out towards you. Um, you know, and, and, and I mean, that's something that also has developed over time. Uh, and that is that's, you know, you're thinking there, the team's flying, you come back, you're now 2-1 up. Um, and you you can go on to to get three points here, and and that's that's where the individual mistakes just it just kills you, right? Or, you know, it just kills you at the end because you, you've done so well to fight back, get get in a position where you probably deserve to be two one up, um, and, and to just sort of make that mistake at the end, it hurt. 
It hurts. Because the vibe, like, and I know you're going to get into this, but the vibe in the stadium was rocking. The South End was loud. The 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 whole stadium was into it. Like, I don't know what the numbers was uh, attendance wise, but to me, there looked at least twenty eight thousand, probably more. But I felt the vibe was there, and it was a letdown on the, when that mistake happened, and you saw them score that goal. It was just like, are you kidding me? Yeah, and, uh, and look, I got a lot of people were there because a lot of people thought Lorenzo Insigne was going to make his debut, and that's fair, right? Like. That you know, I I heard a lot of comments uh, about it um, throughout the throughout the stadium. Look, at, yeah, I, I sure I get it, but I mean at the same time, you know, it helped to create an atmosphere, and and yeah, you, it was probably around twenty seven, twenty eight thousand. I think that's what the uh, announced attendance was, um, and it was probably pretty close to that. You know, when you have they announced like twenty five, and really there's like twenty there, like you know that that it wasn't like that last night. Um, and, and I think a lot of people were were into it. And yes, okay, Insigne didn't play, and I'm sure there might have been a little bit of disappointment for some people. But uh, you know, from where we were, I didn't really get the sense that you know that was like, well, he's he's not playing, so I'm not really gonna care about this match. Uh, people got into it, and and even when they were one nil down, I thought a lot of people were trying to push this team uh, towards a, a result because I think a lot of people saw that they were playing all right, right? Like yes, they were down one nil, but you know, it wasn't like one nil and they were getting dominated, right? Like it wasn't like that. It was it was a one nil that came against the run of play. Um, and Chris just mentioned and tweeted at us, you know, looking at the first goal, having issues progressing the ball from deep. Mavingo tries the hero ball. We talked about that uh, earlier. And, you know, Mark Anthony K is elite in in sort of ball progressing uh, and, and making that pass, right? And, and absolutely, I think that's going to be uh, a big thing that Mark Anthony K is going to bring to the team. And I think we've got some news from Michael Singh, which I will bring up in a second uh, regarding Mark Anthony K. But Robbie... Uh, is waiting to get in, so I'm going to bring Robbie into the show. Uh, it was um, great seeing Robbie last night, actually. Y- yeah, uh, before Robbie jumps on the mic, um, maybe Mike wants to break that news himself since he is in the room. Well, uh, we'll, we'll we'll let uh, Mike if he wants to grab the mic and, and jump in, he can. Um, uh, up to him. Uh, but Robbie, uh, you're on, so go ahead, unmute yourself, man, and give us your thoughts on last night's match. Hey guys, happy Sunday. Um, thanks for having me. The crowd. Yeah. The crowd, man. The crowd. You're right. I just like when you started talking about it, because I was, I mean, I'm there and that was it. That was like 100%. The supporters, like, that's what you want. And it was such an, I really want to touch on the atmosphere because it's amazing. And I, and it's great. It was crowded. There were definitely some people who felt duped because Insigne was not playing, but uh, the atmosphere was electric. And, it, and it's, it's nice to see that again as a fan. And and just as like a, as a, you know as, as a soccer fanatic in general because that's what I mean that's part of the draw of the game not only is it a beautiful sport to watch but the fan support's incredible and and I mean you guys are part of it and it was like one hundred percent nailed it I think um, I want to just if I can uh, just see say how impressed I am with Crescido even though it's his first game in over a month and he's just been training on his own and has had a few sessions with the team. And he, he definitely lacks some pace, but his switch-offs with Mavinga look great. So there's some, like, natural chemistry there, or at least they've been working on it, and, and it's coming together. So that was really nice to see. But 
I was mostly impressed with his touches on the ball. I mean, the guy, like, it's a laser. It's just like a beautifully floated ball, right weight, and everything's great about him. So, I mean, let's hope that continues. I was really, really happy to see that that he's not just like a grandpa in a red jersey. Um, And then another thing, and and I guess the luck of getting to, like, uh, join the show the day after the game is, did anyone else notice the change in Bob Bradley's tone after this game? Not only did the team look like a Bob Bradley team, like, this is the first game I think it looked like a real 4-3-3, and I think that's because Pozuelo's out of the equation. And I think kudos needs to be given to the squad in general because they haven't really been able to do that because there have been, and 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 you can I could quote Bob Bradley if I had it in front of me, they really tried to, like, make Pozuelo work. Right, giving him that freedom, and you guys mentioned that. And they look like a 4-3-3, but Bob's tone after the game, I mean, he's gone from giving a bunch of, like, you know, rope to young guys, and you can see, like, sort of the empathy in his tone, we're growing, this, this, and that. And I think with the the big changes that have already been made on the squad and the ones we don't know are going to happen, and, I mean, Michael Singh's got Bernardeschi coming, so we, I mean, him and Fabrizio Romano. So we got the Canadian Fabrizio Romano saying we got an awesome right winger and we got the you know the italian one saying it so that addition plus others and then bob's tone changing there's something happening in this team and the standards about to change and that's exciting for me and i don't know if you guys noticed that and maybe that's part of what the crowd is seeing and i don't think it's just the names on the jerseys i think i think that the whole front office you know the, the the management everyone's like that's it We've turned the corner. The kids had their chance. Let's go. It might not be playoffs this year. It's a possibility, but we're in a different phase, and that's really exciting. And I want to know what you guys think about that or if you saw the change in tone in Bob because he's coming down a little harder, maybe a little more frank. He already is frank, but it was something that was really noticeable to me. Uh, Absolutely. Sean, thoughts? Well, honestly, I, I don't really pay attention to the pressures after. Um, so I haven't, I wouldn't be able to answer that clearly. Yeah, um, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. But, you know, like I said, is I would agree with regard to, you know, when you, I think from whether you're a hardcore fan or just a casual fan, but understands the formation setup, you, you're right. You, you for the one of the first times you actually could, see the 4-3-3 setup of how he wants them to play, the structure. And that is something that was definitely noticeable yesterday. Um, and again, you know, I'm, I, I have nothing but good things to say about Bushido's debut, and we can only hope that that can be consistent, because again, yes, he's already probably logged a lot of minutes so far this season. Yes, he had a month off, but he it, for a first game of playing with guys that you've only had less than a week of really working with, kudos to him. Yeah, I think, you know, from uh, from Bob's perspective and from the club's perspective, look, I, I think that it, it's clear, um, and I think this was brought up um, on Toronto I Die this week, you know, the club in terms of it, and John Molinaro actually brought this up in his piece uh, after the Pozuelo trade um, uh, on TSC Republic, he he mentioned that like like the club in terms of its stature in the city, in terms of that buzz, uh, was down. Right, it's been down really since 2019, um, and even you know, even in 2019, going into the Cup final, I felt like the 
um, the buzz on the team had gone down a little bit for various reasons, but the pandemic really took a hit. And I think the club, although, although it won, it, it's kind of, it was kind of in a two, two track mind. One was we've got all these young kids that we've signed that we have, we believe in. Let's see what they can do for these first five, six months. Let's see if we can find some players that are going to be a part of this team going forward. And the other track is we got to sign some big players because this market and, and the supporters and fans around this team expect big names to come into this team. The, the gauntlet had been set back in 20, really going back to 2014, right? Like with Jermaine Defoe, the bloody big deal. I know it didn't end up working out that well um, in terms of Defoe himself, but the standard had been set, right? Like this club goes and spends big and gets big players. Um, and, and I think that to make that buzz come back, they have to go out and, and be aggressive in that manner. And, and part of that is, is getting those players to then win football matches. Uh, and, and yes, a bit of that's coming back. How that will end up working out, I'm not, me personally, I'm not 100% sure because sometimes these things, just the, the gelling doesn't quite work for, and especially because they're coming in midway through this season, it might be tough. Um, but that's why I, I'm, I'm constantly about 2023. And I think the real measure will be 2023. Anything you get the rest of this year is kind of gravy, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can I, do you mind if I step in, Mike? Yeah, yeah, go for it. You know what? I don't think you're wrong. I think the real measure is 2023. Like, I, 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 I'm... I, I think the same thing as you, but isn't it, I think part of the excitement, casual soccer fan aside, but like fans who are tuned in, the fanatics, like everyone who's listening, myself included, when you start, you know, mocking up a starting lineup, right? And, and you start adding all the players that are rumored to be here now, K as well, it really starts to look like something to get more excited about. Like, it's not just a bloody big deal or Il Magnifico. Do you know what I mean? It's not just this, this star they're throwing at us and hoping we, we catch it. I think there's, it's starting to make sense, and that's really exciting. Because when you start looking at what could, what's possible with the coming moves, it's the, there's so much potential. And you're right, like, are, are the players going to gel? Will it work? I don't know. But there's certainly a lot to be excited about. Like with all these big changes, and like kudos to to Bill and Bob, they like they've been cutthroat and very business like, and they clearly have a plan. And there have been so many doubters if you followed any social media, as there always are. But I think like looking at that mock lineup, there's a lot to be excited about. And I know that's just on paper, but it certainly looks like they're starting to make pieces fit. And last night's disappointment aside, seeing that four three three. And then looking at everyone who's coming in, I mean, th that's grounds for some some excitement, I think, beyond just the names on the jerseys. Well, I think it, it's balance, right? I think you're now getting a team that's balanced in terms of its starting 11. Um, and uh, Tony uh, tweeted at us, um, you know, TFC deserved and worked for more concerns about sub and timing, need to shoot a little bit more. Uh, sure. But I, again, the stats show us that they actually shot quite a bit. Um, and recognize how high uh, how teams are, are are pressing them and add length and speed to the counters. Fair enough. Um, you know, take their point, regret uh, the loss of two points, acknowledging that the team is playing well. Yes. I, I, Tony, I think I, I agree uh, on most of those points. I would say that, um, you know, the team is starting to shoot a bit more, um, and the stats are bearing that out a little bit. 
Um, but uh, look, I, I think right now in terms of concerns of the subs, that's just simply where the state of the roster at this point. Uh, and as you bring in players to then take spots in the 11, I think the kids and the young players and some of the sort of quote unquote role players um, are going to end up in a, in a better position in terms of being able to uh, contribute a lot more because just the amount that is going to be asked of them is going to be a little bit less. It's going to be more about, hey, Jaden, go in there for the final 15, 20 minutes and run at guys, right? Like instead of having to worry about your defense, I mean, he's still going to have to worry about defensive positioning and things like that. But for those 15 minutes, he can just be Jaden Nelson. And sometimes that's that's a good thing, right? Like that's, you, you just need him to, to inject that pace or DeAndre Kerr, inject that pace, right? So- from that perspective, I think that's a that's a good thing, um, and it will add to sort of the depth of the team now that those players have had so many minutes. Um, Robbie, again, thanks for your thoughts, man. I'm going to just going to move you back into the audience, um, but again, thank you for your thoughts uh, as always. Um, I want to touch on Tony's point with regard to subbing. I think what will happen is once we have a more complete roster uh, at the end of the window, assuming we have a more complete roster, you'll you'll have. Bob will have a, a better 11 to work with. And assuming that you'll have less of these, you know, subs, say, for example, at the halfway point and more, you know, this, you know, in the 60th, 70th minute, when, when you, you either are looking to clinch a game or, with, you know, adding a defensive strength or you need to add some more firepower to try to, you know, add that second or third goal. Right. So I think right now, a lot of the subbing maybe doesn't necessarily work the way we'd like to see it work in the sense of when players are coming in and and who. But we also don't necessarily have the the depth right now to choose when it comes to who. Like if you look at who we have on our bench going into a game like yesterday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Demi and Tagalu, all due respect to Demi. Um, has played well at TFC, too. But if that's an option off the bench right now, it means you don't have your full squad. Right. And that's just the reality of things. Um, uh, I'll just read this out from from Michael Singh and I'll post it also here in the in the room. But Mark Anthony K, uh, this is from at Michael Singh 94. If you're not following him, I mean, really, do you really like TFC? Um, Mark Anthony K arrives in town today. Um, so if anybody wants to go to the airport, I think his scheduled arrival time is like 320 today um, at, at Terminal 1. Um, but, uh, or yeah, I think it's terminal one. Um, uh, but you know, the team will size up where he is physically ahead of Wednesday's match versus Chicago. Uh, and, but all signs to point to Mac making his debut this week. So, uh, that from Michael Singh, um, apparently now the Canadian, uh, Fabrizio Romano, um, or at least that's what Robbie has now, uh, anointed you, Mike. So you can, you can, you can run with that if you want or not run with that. That's completely up to you, buddy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's encouraging, right? I think as, as you starting to get these pieces into the team, um, that's only going to be an encouraging, uh, a sign for the team. And I think that's something that's going to be, um, well and, and truly needed um, in the squad. Uh, just to, again, like we said, talking about that um, midfield balance in the team. Yeah, I think that, you know, it'll be very important. The sooner we get any of these new guys in to, you know, work with the team to get them to be more organized, solidify that structure, that can only be a positive for the, for the, 
you know, the long run, but at least the going into August and September and seeing what, what the team can do. Again, I'm not, I don't care at this point where they make the playoffs. I just want to see them. I, I want to see that progression start to happen continuously, not moments up. I want to see going into August, September that, that at least when we see, when the season comes to an end, we see, we know where they're, they're going. We see the direction. We see that the players have bought in or we know where they need to make more changes at, with regard to those players. Well, I mean, speaking of changes, uh, we mentioned it a little earlier in the show, but it appears Carlos Salcedo is uh, back. He's back in Mexico right now. Um, he did not obviously make the 18 yesterday. Didn't play yesterday. Um, tweeted out a picture of him in a very nice Louis Vuitton travel bag um, heading to Mexico. Apparently will be signing for FC Juarez uh, in Liga MX um, as they've just started uh, their Apertura season. So uh, he'll be off to Mexico. Look, it, it sounds like it's uh, from what we're hearing. Um, it's family. I think it's a done deal. Uh, no, I don't think it's completely done yet, um, but it sounds like it's going to be done pretty soon. Um, but it looks like, look, he's going back for family reasons. Wife just had uh, a baby. Uh, he's got another young son at home. Um, and look, all we can do is wish him the best. I, it sounds like it's a, a serious enough issue that he needs to go back to Mexico and be there full time. It looks like throughout the season, he's been traveling back and forth constantly uh, to Mexico and look, if anybody's had to commute long ways for work, I'm not saying I've commuted the same distance that Carlos Salcedo has. Um, look, that, that, that's taxing on, on you, on your family. Uh, so you know, it doesn't sound like TFC were shopping him for any reason. It doesn't sound like he had, you know, been discontent uh, in Toronto. It doesn't sound like his family were necessarily discontented of being in Toronto. Just a life situation. And all you can do is wish him the best. And, um, and look... From a from a selfish sort of club perspective, you get a DP slot back, um, which you know uh, that that's going to fuel a lot of speculation on how TFC are going to use that, whether they use that this window or hang on to it for the rest of the year. Um, but a question here, or, or from uh, at Hank Moody, Hank underscore Moody twelve, just tweeted at us thoughts on the center back position. What do you think TFC will slash should do to shore up that position? Um, and uh, Robbie, you'll be happy that uh, Hank agrees with your comments in regards to the depth. However, he feels we need one, maybe two additional center backs this season. Um, not sure I necessarily agree with needing necessarily two. Uh, how many center backs do you really want? Do you really want to keep five center backs on a roster at one time? But um, you know, definitely thoughts on maybe getting another center back. Sean, any thoughts there? Definitely need a center back. Um, especially with losing Salcedo. Um, however, uh, well, well, we'll touch on the DP uh, issue after, but I definitely think we need another center back. Um, uh, I'd like to see, you know, I guess an MLS type vet or, you know, not, we don't necessarily need another big name there. We just need somebody who can come in and solidify minutes. You know, clearly we're going to have to play O'Neill a lot more than, intended at the beginning of the season so you want somebody who can again you know step into that i guess rotation between mavinga o'neill and this this you know a new a new person um i know there's fans out there who might want a, a canadian to, c to come in um 
and that might be the option financially, but yeah, um, we definitely need to add somebody in, uh, within, especially losing Salcedo. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I don't know what the Alec, uh, sort of the the what the salary cap implications or how much available gam and tan that they that the club have now. I mean, they shipped out a lot for Mark Anthony K. Now, granted, it's staggered over a couple of years, so it's not necessarily like they're giving them a million right away. Um, so that might actually help the club out quite a bit because, I, as I understood, it, I think they got a lot of uh, gamma in the off season, so they should be in a position. Um, or might be, I should say, in a position to bring in another center back. But it might be, again, sort of somebody who is MLS experienced um, and they can come in on those wages and, and sort of help, not necessarily using a, a another DP slot on a center back. But please don't, please don't. It didn't not, work. I, 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 look, and, and it's not a knock on Salcedo. Again, personal me- matters could have also played into some of his performances this season. But I would much rather, if we have an open D- DP slot, and this is something I'd love to hear from the room, but I'd rather wait and use that in the offseason. I don't think we, we need to rush and fill that right away. No, I think I, have, that's so, just my take. I just yeah, think I waiting to the offseason, you know, if we, you know, that's that's something we need to use wisely. Agreed. I I don't think you necessarily have to rush into it. I do think that they will try to fill it this window. Um, That means they may have, have already had somebody in mind uh, for that spot. And maybe it's a situation where, and again, this is just pure speculation. There's no, no inside knowledge here or anything like that, but you know, it might be a situation where it's like, hey, maybe they thought they were going to be using that spot on that player in January, and now things have moved up. Um, and maybe they go try to get that person now, which might mean they may have to pay a transfer fee uh, for that player now, whereas maybe they could have got that player on a free or uh, sign them on a pre-contract in, in January. So who knows um, on, on what that is going to look like. Um yeah, I agree. I don't think you need to rush into that. And I don't necessarily think you need to use a DP spot on a center back. That said, I'm not necessarily against using um, a DP spot on a center back. I do think, though, that when you do do that or when you go in that route, you got to go for somebody who is, I mean, almost. Go for Virgil van Dyke type player? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you got, you got to do something <laughs> like if you, if you can make that happen, sure. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. But I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think you got to go over somebody that you're you're basically like this can't fail, right? Like, because I think there's going to be so much scrutiny on using a DP spot on a center back because just traditionally in this league and the way that the designated player rule was worked. created, well, it's not that it hasn't worked; it has worked for for players, right? But the the, the best sort of quote unquote DP center backs have been MLS guys who have been able to, who have been, who have grown into that stature, right? You, the, the, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is Walker Zimmerman um, in Nashville. Right. But uh, again, you, you can, it can work. It's just, you got to go get somebody who is going to be surefire cannot miss center back because there's scrutiny on, on that person and on that, on that uh, tag for a center back is just way more than a striker and maybe way more than a, a, than a winger just simply because our expectations on a center back defensively are probably not realistic uh, a lot of the time, because again, 
I, I, do I think Carlos Salcedo played towards it as a DP or play lived up to the DP moniker? Probably not. Um, but was he left in positions where he's defending kind of crazy situations, being put in uh, in situations that were incredibly difficult a lot of time? Yes. Uh, and that comes down to team defending. So, again, I'm not against it. Do I think TFC go down that well again with the DP spot? I would probably say probably not, uh, but who knows? Uh, just a tweeted in comment here from uh, from Gary Reed at Gray's at Nines. Um, I agree that the club does need another quality center back. I'm not in favor of Daniil Henry on the roster, but I could see him being added. Crossing my fingers that they don't. I'm uh, sorry, Gary. I said Gary uh, Gray. Um, uh, don't necessarily disagree with you there. I don't necessarily think Daniil Henry is the fit, but in a a run to the end of the season where you could have somebody be a depth piece, um, you know, the, it may not be the worst route to go. I think he was on 700k this year. Um, TFC would get that at a prorated amount, I think. So, you know, if you can get him at a prorated amount and it's not going to cost you a lot. And again, he could be sort of a depth piece uh, at center back. Again, is it a big risk considering where you are in the table? I don't necessarily think so, but I don't also think he's a long-term fit um, for where the club wants to go. And I would agree with, with Ray and, and you with that take again, I'm not saying go out and get him, but it, you might not have a lot of options during this window. Unless you're also looking to make a trade for that position. So if you're looking at, you know what I mean? And that, and that's the difference. You may have to give up to get a more ideal person. And if that's not available, Daniel is available as a body. And, and, and probably at a number that will work for TFC right now. Well, yeah, it depends on whether or not they were looking at center back options going into this window, or if they were focused on other things, right? Like it may, I'm sure that they have sort of a list of center backs that they would be interested in, whether that can happen now that it may, I mean, I don't think they were planning on losing Carlos Sosedo in this window. Right. Um, right. So that that's, that's one thing to consider. Right. So we'll see how that all breaks down in the transfer window. I mean, we're only a couple days in and, and, uh, we're expecting a lot more fireworks from TFC over the next month in, in that regard. So um, as Michael Singh has said, uh, buckle up and stay tuned. Uh, he will have a busy uh, month uh, tweeting out a lot of things. Um, but I think we'll we'll kind of end the show there. Um, again, guys, disappointing 2-2 draw. That should have been three points. I think everybody kind of agrees with that. But also I think you can kind of agree that the team from a overall play perspective are playing a bit better now. It's just a question of turning that play into results because in the end of the day, that's, that's really the stat that matters the most is okay. Can you take all this possession and the shots you're starting to create um, and the uh, expected goals that are starting to go up and sort of the play in the attacking third that's increasing can you now turn that into results and eliminate those individual errors, uh, which two of them essentially cost you uh, three points last night? Um, Sean, any last thoughts uh, before we head out? No, I think that's it. It's just con- continue the positive progression. I mean, 
you know, in an ideal world, you know, Insigne would have played yesterday. We would have gotten the three points. We'd be, you know, all cheerful today. But, you know, we just got to be positive that the team is moving in the right direction. Um, and it, there's going to continuously be some, you know, th- moments like yesterday because we still have some young players that are growing. Um, but again, positive is reinforcements are on the way, you know, whether it be this Wednesday or next Saturday, we'll already have a slightly different lineup. And another two weeks from now, we'll have another different lineup. So we've got to be positive, right? Yeah, it's look, it's going to be tough. You know, if you're if you're out there thinking, you know, we got to make the playoffs this year. Um, I'm, I, you know, obviously I would love to. Um, I would love to the team make the playoffs, but right now I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of thinking on just improving the performances at this point. And if they can make a run, that's great. But that run is going to be difficult now, right? Like you needed those three points to really, uh, to make that run, uh, possible or make it all, you know, a, a lot easier, but they're not out of it, um, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but that, um, you know, that hurts, you know, that, 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 that hurts from that perspective, right? It, it's, it's one that you, kind of wish they they had back because it'd make a lot of things easier. So just for the record, Toronto FC still, as of today, still sitting 12th in the Eastern Conference, okay? Um, right now, they're sitting on 19 points, so they're literally on a point a game um, right now. But they're going to need some help, right? Like, they're only, right now, they are uh, seven points uh, behind uh, Cincinnati who are sitting in the last playoff spot. But they've got, you know, four teams they have to jump. Uh, so that's that's tough. The good news is, um, you know, you're playing some of these teams. I think I think they're done with Columbus this year. And I think they're done with Atlanta this year. Or maybe they have one more against Atlanta. But you got Miami coming up. I think they got to play New England. They still have to play New England. Those teams are ahead of you. You know, th- th- those games you're going to need um, to try to make a move. And Charlotte is sitting in sixth right now. Um, you're playing them coming up. Orlando are coming up, uh, I think, as well. And, of course, the Derby uh, next weekend against Montreal, right? So they're going to have to start putting these uh, good performances into actual three points if they want to start making those uh, making that run up the table because we're beyond the halfway point uh, in the season. So if the run's going to happen, it's kind of going to have to start happening now um, if you want that uh, – if you want that elusive playoff spot. Um, but I think we'll stop there. Um, thank you uh, again, everybody, for for jumping in and listening uh, to the Tunnel Club. Uh, we, we appreciate all the listens and the follows and, and the likes. Uh, that's a big help to us. So uh, keep spreading the word on, on what we're doing here. Um, we follow us, if you're not already, uh, here on Twitter. Uh, we're at uh, TFC Tunnel Club. Um, so search us, give us a follow. We post all the, uh, the show links there. Uh, thank you to to everybody uh, for jumping in and giving us your thoughts, Robbie, Chris, um, you know, for, for thoughts and others. Uh, Grave, those who have tweeted in uh, your uh, your comments as well. That's greatly appreciated. It's something we'll do a little bit more often. Yeah, um, absolutely. Hank, uh, for those who did that, uh, we'll do that a little bit more often and we'll we'll put the tweets uh, here into the um, into the show so that it's easier for you to just click and um and give us your comments. Uh, and also just say, continue to uh, listen to Toronto till I die uh, podcast. We'll be back tomorrow at 3 PM live. 
uh, again, sort of breaking down this game and talking about what's ahead. Um, but again, on behalf of Sean, my name is Mike. Thanks again for listening to the Tunnel Club Day After Show. Uh, and we'll catch you after uh, Wednesday night's uh, game away in Chicago. Um, but other than that, guys, take care. Enjoy your Sunday. Yeah, get out there. Sun shining.